everyone. I'm Kathleen Gazzola. And I'm Molly Upstill. And this is Mum's Mum's Gone Gone Tropo. A tropical escape filled with laughter, candid conversations and heartfelt stories of motherhood and the incredible lives lived in the NT. From sleepless nights, the parenthood roller coaster and the heartwarming milestones, we'll share our experiences and have the privilege to sit down with a diverse array of inspiring women, some well-known and others are hidden gems. But all of them have fascinating stories to share about why they've chosen to raise their families in the magic of the tropics. Hello. Welcome back really to another, another episode. You what? I could really use another coffee. I yeah. Think. Do you know Oscar woke up at 5 a.m. this morning? Oh, brutal. Yeah. Actually, I reckon Sally woke up <laughs> early this morning as well. And so generally make Steve get up because I have to do the bedtimes. Yeah, the fair enough. Night, so I'm like. It's your turn. You're up, um, brother. And she was like crying, so we got up, and I think it probably she didn't fall was... out of bed again, did she? No, but she had made her way to the kitchen, so she <gasps> wait. She got can open doors now. Out she can because it's it's a it's a straight it's, handle. Oh, so um, we've got the knobs. So we've got the knob in the bathroom, which I can like keep her in the bathroom to clean her teeth because she yeah. has a massive meltdown all the time to do that so she can't get out she can't escape but this morning instead of usually she just like sits up in her bed and cries and demands you to come get her it's pitch black in her room but except we have the door cracked open and steve was like she's up and i'm like yeah i know she's crying he's like no no she's gotten herself up so she's <laughs> She's climbed down from her enormous oh height of a bed in her sleep suit that has, you know, miles length of leg that you have to like shuffle along. Oh, she's along. still in her sleep suit? Yeah, because she like sack? rolled. Well, because we still have the air con on. Yeah. Like she likes having the blanket she up. She hasn't savvied the blanket yet. She likes putting it up when we go to when she goes to bed, but she rolls around so much yeah. that kicks it off and then yeah. doesn't realise you have to pull it up. So just keep her in the sleep suit. Yeah. Fuck, getting up to go yeah, yeah, warm yeah. her up again. So she's like climbed out of her bed, shuffled down the hallway, past our bedroom door into the kitchen because that's where we end up each morning. Yeah. And has been like, where are they? <laughs> that, is, that is peak Sally, isn't it? Like, excuse me, I'm up. Why is no I one here to serve me berries yep. for breakfast? So I just stayed in bed and Steve got up. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I love, like, the audacity. Like, why am I still wearing my... Pajamas like, and why did no you not to serve come me? into my bedroom while I was crying? Oh we probably God, went back to sleep, and she's her. gone. Fine, I'm going to get myself up, but you're not here to <laughs> I get me everything my around here. <laughs> so this may be the start of the getting out of her room. I don't oh. know. I hope not. I hope not. But we'll see. Artie's in his big boy bed, but he's still. He knows he can get up and down himself, but I don't think he's. He still cries out when he wakes up, so we go and get him. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know if you can tell, but I am a little bit sick. Mm. The daycare sickness in our house has been relentless Ooh. from like week three, I reckon, when Oscar bought home. Well, when Artie bought home RSV, and Oscar was in hospital with RSV for two nights. And it has just been nonstop for both Jack and I. And I catch everything. Jack doesn't get everything. And we're not sitting here that you're going to infect me. Like you've no, just no. got the nasal. I'm, I actually yeah. feel generally fine. Yeah. But Jack last night woke up at like 2 a.m. And he's like, Molly, can you cuddle me? I am so cold. And he's a big burly man. He like, is. Yeah. And he was sweating. Mm. He was 
hot, but he was so cold that he was literally shivering. shivering. Like, sh- you know those yeah. when you, like, shake to your core? Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. So I went and popped an Oxy for him and he knocked him out with a um, some Oxy, which I got from, I think, birthing. I can't <laughs> even remember where I got that, actually. It had my name on the prescription. But anyway, I gave him one of those and I didn't even, like, he was so cold I didn't even give him cold water out of the tap I literally waited for the hot water to come on and I gave him a glass of hot water because he was freezing oh and he God. slept in a jumper and made me turn the air con up oh jeez I know As he was down, make it colder yeah yep. yeah make it yeah make the room warmer oh make the room warmer. yes yeah, yeah right. so um so you which is like unheard well. of for Jack right yeah. so anyway he's I'm just so sick of being sick and it's yeah, that it's rough you know I made a choice when I went back to work I took a casual job but it means that if I don't work and like this sickness is unprecedented for us like I already had maybe like one or two ear infections the odd yeah but Oscar is like every week it's a phone call like come and get him and it's that constant battle between like you know, you don't want to make the educators sick, but he also got it from there and <laughs> like yeah. You know, and also home is the best place for him to be this week. And I had Thursday, Friday off with him. And, of course, I've kind of caught it nowhere near as bad as poor Jack has Mm. caught it. But, you know, it's... It's, it's hard. It's rough. Yeah. But yeah, it's sort of like you're just waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel. You I know that it'll it will come be by the like end of the year. His immune system will be so strong. I hope so. But you're like, like damn. I could I could fill one of those fogging machines with influenza A and put it in Artie's room and lock the door and shut all the windows and he would still not catch anything, right? Yeah. Like that kid has the immune system of like the SAS, right? Like he <laughs> never gets sick anymore, touch yep. wood. Mm. But Oscar, oh my God, I swear every week I just feel for that kid. Oh, poor little thing. Brutal. Poor I brother. know. But you know what's worse? I was FaceTiming my brother. These, for anyone who follows <laughs> Molly on Instagram, you will have known her hair <laughs> struggles since having birth, yeah. the loss of hair, and now we're at the regrowth stage, team. Um, and she's currently... <laughs> Pushing down the strands in the middle of a forage. It looks sexy. It- <laughs> <laughs> I was FaceTiming my brother. And it just sits there. You can't even like no, push it back, can you? You need because to get some gel back. We have equally curly hair. Gel doesn't even fix it. I went and got my hair below Wet. dried. No, seriously. <laughs> I went and got my hair below dried by Kayla, who yep. we had on a couple of weeks ago, and she was like, Molly, I, these are so bad. I can't even hairspray them down with like hairdresser hairspray. They are so bad, and like and they are like halfway down my fridge. Oh yeah, so no, but he doesn't. I think like unless you've had kids, yeah. like you don't realize that you lose so much hair. And I like had proper bald spots on yes. my head, right? <laughs> and. It's all going back, thank God. But Duncan, my brother, was FaceTiming me and I had have really curly <laughs> hair. So for most people, it probably might sit a bit nicer than it does yeah. to me. But yeah. Duncan goes, did you get a fringe? <laughs> <laughs> like, like so rude. Like, Duncan, and shut up. You know that it's like, that was a bad idea, Molly. <laughs> I was like, no, actually, Duncan, you lose 10 months of hair in 10 weeks after you have a baby and then it all grows back over like this awkward 12-month period and then you get this. and like It's basically what Sally has now because her hair is just 
growing on her head from Did you time. get it this bad though? No. I mean, I've always had bald spots Babe. at the corners of my forehead kind of thing because obviously my hair is dyed blonde. So yeah. I get heaps of breakage and that kind of stuff. And obviously curly hair is naturally more brittle. So it yeah. breaks anyway. Yeah. But I just have breakage as it is, but not in the centre of my forehead that it looks like I've had But it's a, not breakage, a, it's just regrowing. Yeah, but it's obviously come from falling out. like And then regrowing. Yeah. It is yeah. so bad. But Duncan's like, why would you get that haircut? <laughs> like, why would you go to the hairdresser and be like, please cut me this fringe? Give me a half fringe. Like, I look like I should be going and protesting the climate on the Sydney Harbour Bridge <laughs> and blocking the road. Like, that's what my hair looks like. <laughs> I laugh with you, not at you, Molly. You laugh at me. You laugh at me. And I'm like, oh, here I'm going to go walk a red carpet in two weeks and hope that no one's like, why did this girl go and get this haircut? Like, does she think it looks good? No, it's natural regrowth. No, brother Duncan. I didn't do it myself. Yeah, thanks, Duncan. Make me feel real good about myself. And he's coming with me. He's oh, yeah, my he's plus one. There. So you get to meet him and... Like jumping in joy. Make him have a red carpet photo. With I you. know. I'll oh, brush his hair fringe. like this. Oh my god! All right, let's rip into this week's episode. I'll share a photo on socials of my fringe. I'll get a really good angle. Most recent snap would do well. Yeah. Oh, snap what the one I sent my father-in-law in my daggy oh. underwear. Maybe don't put that one on the public profile. I've got the video. I saved it. All right, let's rip in. Sarah Mackney is a mum of three, an emergency department doctor and the deputy medical director at CareFlight who came to Darwin on a six-week elective as a medical student but never really left. Her husband is a pilot with his own flight school who swiped right on her Tinder profile. She's travelled the globe doing some of the world's most treacherous tracks, including making it to Everest Base Camp in the name of fun if you can really call it that. But despite the hectic nature of her life, the territory is the calming force she needs. So please welcome Dr. Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Thank Hi. you for coming on Mums Gone Tropo. Thanks. Thanks you for were, having me. You were dubbed in by a friend of yours who messaged us yes. on Instagram and said, you've got to get this mum. She's a doctor. She's on care flight. She's amazing. She's got three kids. She does an awesome job and sent me your number and I sent it to Kathleen. Kathleen's like, get her yesterday. And so I rang you and I locked you in. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> I dubbed in. I know. She gave me a warning too and I was like, oh, no, what have you done? You knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> no, you do yeah. have an awesome story and I'm really excited for this one. I it's think pretty hard really to say no cool. to Molly when she gets going <laughs> too, know, isn't it? I know. Well, actually, I have, I've been chasing one woman for so long and she keeps dodging my calls now. <laughs> I, I, don't give up. I have no shame. Yeah. <laughs> I won't dob her in on here. I'll just go and ring her again on Wednesday. <laughs> so, Sarah, let's start how we always start. Hit us with your mum's stats. Yep. I have three kids. I have Aiden, who's seven, Ella, who's four, and Georgia, who's just over nine months. Oh, Oscar, me and you might give, give birth pretty similar. Oh, oh, yeah. About a month apart. Ah, there yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> Who would have thought two women down and giving birth similar times? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what a coincidence. Never. Um, yeah, that makes sense for why all the obstetricians are booked up. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so when Oscar was born, it was a really good friend of mine who was an obstetrician on the night. And I remember her being like, there's no other doctor. Are you comfortable that if something happens that it's me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And she had to ask me like three or four different times, like, are you sure? 
before you're comfortable. She's like, if something goes wrong, it's me. Was she comfortable? She doesn't sound like anyway, she Anyway, yeah, exactly. Can you please say no, Molly? Yeah, no, no, no. She give me an out. She had to stitch my gooch back up. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, a good, yeah. it's a good story. Every time Do I'm like, oh, chapped into your you friendship, she last yeah. stitched my bum back together. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. You would just make it that extra little bit awkward. I know. That's why people love me. It's the next level of friendship. <laughs> I know. It is. It is. Only in Darwin, yeah. one of your good friends stitches your bum back together after yeah. giving birth. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. So you're a doctor. I am, yes. Yes, I am. So you work in Darwin and in Palmerston Hospital. Yeah, yeah. And you're a care flight doctor. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I came up to Darwin about oh, back in 2013 I first came up here and I came up here in 2010 for a six-week placement as a med student and I knew I would come back. I loved it. Um, and so, yeah, came back in 2013 and then sort of did all my – training emergency training and then yeah have just stayed on um stayed on working at the hospital and um back in 2018 I did a six months um like full-time at care flight and then since then I've just stayed on um sort of casually doing flying and things um and then yeah in the last sort of oh, couple of months I've stepped up to the deputy medical director job wow so, um, yeah which That's was job. yeah sort of a bit unexpected in a way because I was still on mat leave when the whole thing sort of came about. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a good challenge. So how do you manage a job like of that calibre as well as working in emergency? Yeah, it's it's tough. So I do at the hospital I do three eight-hour shifts a week and then at Care Flight I'm contracted to about 10 hours a week which ends up sort of being Full-time more. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's the usual juggle. Yeah. But, yeah, it's good. It's good fun. And so what was it about here when you were a med student that mm. really you just fell in love with? From the medical perspective, the medicine. The medicine up here is like nowhere else. In like, what way? Because it's tropical or because of we have so many challenges here? Uh, both. Okay. Um, so pathology up here, so, which is like illness and disease and um, is – Things that you read about in a textbook but you never see, but in Darwin you actually see really? it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and a lot of that comes from the – Is that like meliodosis and all yeah, that sort yeah, of yeah, stuff? Yeah, 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 melioid, yeah, melioid's one. Um, but, you know, particularly all the um, socioeconomic challenges mm-hmm. of the territory comes with it, um, all the diseases of low socioeconomics um, – and I'm sure you know that we have the highest rate of rheumatic heart disease. I was in just the world. about to say and, that. Yeah. Um, so, for a lot of people that practice medicine down south, they've never seen it, and it, this yeah. is stuff that we see sadly every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know the people. It's the people I think that sort of always draws you back. Um, the how unwell they are, what they put up with, and yet they're still happy and, mm. um, I don't know, they're just such a pleasure to interact with. And that, that's both sort of from a staff perspective and as a, the patient perspective as well. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, you know, the territory lifestyle, it's nothing beats it. There's, you know, it's all eating outside at the sailing club, watching the sunset, oh, the market. Oh, it's a dream, isn't Yeah, it? yeah, and that's, you know, that's what – draws you back yeah but, definitely yeah. and I, I love the idea of what you're saying like it's the patients like what they're going through is you know in, in many circumstances so extreme but 
just get along with it. They that's just, it. Yeah, you just yep. live your life. It, it, territory mm, tough. That's it. You know? Definitely. <laughs> and you know, every day I'm reminded of how lucky I am because of things that I see as well. So it makes me appreciate everything in my life. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, <sighs> definitely. Well, should we go back? Yes. You're from Kayama. Yes. You've said that you've done a couple of stints up here before moving permanently. Um, your dad's a teacher. How did you yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. find your way yeah, up here? Yeah. So dad, um, my, both my parents are teachers. I come from, you know, good teaching family. <laughs> and dad, when he was 21, he did his first year of teaching up here. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a there was four of them all together that um, four guys that came up here, taught up here, and then um, ever since then, they, he only came up for a year, but ever since then they've been coming back all the time to catch up and just hang out in Darwin because they loved their time so much. And it's um, only one year they spent they, here. Yeah, well, Dad I only think, spent yeah. one year. Some of the One of the other ones spent over ten years, I think, but um, Dad only spent one year. Um, and then... We, when I was, I think, nine, we travelled around Australia for about three months and Darwin was part of that trip as well. So I, that was the first time I'd been to Darwin and, you know, from Dad he always had – it was held a special place in his heart. Yeah. Um, and so then when the opportunity came up in med school to come up here for a placement, I I said, yeah, I'll go. I'll go up there. Um, and the placement was in Darwin? Yeah, yeah, at the hospital. Yeah. Yep, just on the general medical ward at the hospital. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I saw some amazing stuff and, you know, did amazing stuff as well. Like, you know, did the Litchfield trips, Kakadu trips and yeah. we canoed up the Catherine Gorge all in my, you know, medical elective <laughs> as you do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I knew then that I'd come back eventually. But I did my um, couple of junior years of medical training, so my internship and residency down in Sydney. Okay. But I also did six months of that time. I went out to Broken Hill. It was one of those things that, you know, going through uni, I thought, oh, going through high school, then going through uni, I thought, you know, the big city was such a pool because I was sort of from the country. Mm. But then you live in the city and you realise it's not that great. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Was, was med- medicine always what you were wanting to do? No, no. Um, I don't actually remember. Or did you just get, get good marks and you're like, well, better be a doctor? No, no. <laughs> I don't remember that sort of um, like the switch when I wanted to just do medicine. I think it was going through school. I really liked science sort of stuff. I liked working with people and I just found that sort of thing interesting. Mm. I had sort of two paths that I intended to go down. One was that sort of more academic sort of science, medicine type thing, or I wanted to be a performer. So I I know, two extremes, but that was, they were my options because I, you know, I was even thinking about going, working on a cruise ship and shows and that sort of stuff, which I didn't end up doing. I, you know, went down the science path. Um, But yeah, there was a point in my life where I was making a decision whether I was going to be a performer or going to be go into medicine oh my god so performer (laughs) you were into your dancing then yeah so I was a dancer from oh like you know age four or something I started dancing um and then I um started as a dance teacher at about maybe 15 I think I started teaching um but I'm also from a very very musical family um my dad's uh musician has been in bands his entire life my mum was always into musical theatre um and so I was I learnt singing like I singing lessons all through school and then started as a singing teacher as well sort of 
late high school as well. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, that was a big part of my life. You can't remember picking that fork in the road as to be like, so I better no. catch this cruise ship tomorrow no. or I'll just continue no. on at my university my residence. No, <laughs> not really. Like even when I was in uni, so my first degree was a medical science degree um, and all through – uni I was still dancing I was still singing at that point on the weekend I was playing gigs at restaurants and stuff like that so I sort of had both those avenues still continuing yeah and then yeah I I guess I had that underlying thought the whole time I guess through uni in performing a lot of it is just luck being in the right place at the right time Mm. sort of thing whereas in anything academic if you work hard you can get to where you want to go yeah um so and I'm not particularly good at selling myself and in you know in the arts in performing you've all you've just got to sell yourself and I yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's not really my style so that's how I ended up in medicine yeah right (laughs) wow and to delve back into just like how different medicine is up here compared to Mm. obviously big city life that you mentioned down south yeah I assume you go to certain conferences and um dealing with other colleagues from around the place is your knowledge base far more broader and that helps you be a better doctor than you would be down south? Well, I don't know. I'm sure there's good doctors down south. Of course, of course, yeah. (laughs) But um, for instance, um, when I sat my final emergency exam, which is like a multi-station sort of face-to-face exam, um, I sat it down in Sydney and after the exam you sit sit around with people and you debrief because I had a quarantine period afterwards where you have to sort of sit in a room so you can't talk to anyone about the exam who hasn't sat the exam already. Right. Um, And so I was talking to the people who had also sat the exam. And for me, in the exam, I had seen everything whilst being at work, whereas for a lot of them, they they were asked questions that they hadn't even seen or done before. Yeah, right. Whereas, yeah, I feel like we're just lucky that we, I don't know, the amount of – medicine that we get to see is just far beyond anything yeah yeah and so to be a, an emergency doctor because mm. i'm just never know the process oh, it's fascinating it's a it? long yeah, so process you have to do something extra to be an emergency oh, department yeah. doctor as well yeah. is that to be able to check that you can handle the pressure or think quickly or like yeah so it's like in medicine you know there's a, a lots of different specialities of you can have it be a cardiologist you can be an obstetrician and all of those specialist doctors go for through further training um so emergency is exactly the same so i'm an emergency specialist which means that after i've finished med school um i have done my internship residency i then did an extra sort of resident year and then went into emergency training but i didn't start my emergency training until 2014 so it took me what seven years of emergency oh, training yeah it is. It's and that's on time. top of a four or five year degree as yeah, well yeah oh yeah. my lord yeah wow. I often tell my kids that you know school seems like a long time but I was at uni for longer than I was at school like all up which oh is, my god seems crazy yeah 100 um, yeah and I mean you're obviously always still having to learn as yeah, well because yeah, yeah. different things pop yeah. up and yeah. I often treat different things yeah. and this is how I what I say to med students a lot of work like you know med school seems like you know you get to the end of med school but that's just the start that's <laughs> just the beginning <laughs> which is a bit depressing but no yeah, it's all gosh. a journey it's good fun. I imagine it must be such a rewarding job like the yeah. things that you must get to see must be so varied 
throughout any given day. Oh, absolutely. And just like from like a kid who's broken their arm to someone who's having a heart attack or a car accident or like, I don't know, it's hard to wrap your head around the stuff that you must see come through the emergency section of a hospital. Well, that's why I love my job because every day is different. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm sure if either of you two have sat in emergency you can see how amazing the people watching is just being in the the waiting room. It's quite fascinating. Um, And I guess that's a big part of emergency is the stories. You do it for the stories. People have amazing stories. Well, you're doing a podcast about stories. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, every day at work I get to I'd love to be a fly on the wall, like as a journo, the stories, particularly (laughs) at the NT News, like when you hear some stories of what people have done yeah. to end up in emergency are you just thinking go, of like penis ones and yes. stuff? yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. Well, yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. why did yeah. you put this up your bum what yeah. were you thinking <laughs> yeah. or like someone gives like a false story because they're too embarrassed oh, yeah. to tell the actual i've got situation. lots of stories but i won't i won't <laughs> no, tell no, you, we won't you we'll do that offline <laughs> <laughs> Love it. so you've come up to darwin you met your husband up here? I did, yeah. I met him. You swept left. I did. Wait, did you swipe left or right? I don't, I don't know. know. Now Tinder didn't exist when yeah. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We copped a lot of flack at our wedding for the whole Tinder thing, which was very That's funny. There's so many <laughs> people find <laughs> out of the half on Tinder. Yeah. It's legit. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. For Ben, I'm sure he won't, <laughs> won't mind me telling this story, but he's a pilot and he, you know, he never went out. A or, care flight pilot? No, not a care flight pilot. <laughs> no. Um so he didn't socialise too much. He hung out with pilots and um Yeah, they're very the, so yeah he decided to go on tinder and i did because i was trying to venture outside of the medical sphere as well uh, that was my intention yeah. were you living in nightcliff or rapid creek no I'm, oh yeah i was I'm just actually, to ask that before i'm one doctor that doesn't live in nightcliff or rapid <laughs> creek believe it or not <laughs> no. oh, the doctor's um, triangle of nightcliff. oh i know yeah no i got out of there no i have actually never lived there it's great um but yeah, so he when he went on Tinder, he only ever matched with three people. I was one of them. Well, you're really not selling your yeah, husband. I, know, now. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I don't know what that says about Ben, but anyway, it was obviously fate. <laughs> yeah, I was one of them. Someone else was another one who he responded, he wrote to, and then she never responded. Yeah. And then the other one was apparently insane. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best of three. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyways, and you went. Uh, what was your first date? Oh, uh, he. I knew from the start he was different because firstly, he said, you know, you do the thing where you're you're chatting a little bit, and then he said, I want to take you out for dinner. I'm like, okay, sounds great. Or well, no, sorry. The first thing about him on Tinder is he could spell and he used grammar. So oh my <laughs> like, god, tick. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I just yep, tell you the funniest <laughs> story really quickly. I'm journal by trade, and Jack has a tattoo with the wrong grammar. Oh no. no. wrong you're i reckon tattooists need to have some kind of <laughs> level of testing to That's ensure so that doesn't funny. happen i like oh, okay. whenever i see it i'm like oh i can't believe a journo married someone with the wrong your <laughs> did you give so your- much shit for oh, that constantly oh. and now it's on the public record lucky he doesn't listen anyway uh, yeah. <laughs> During the night, can you just put an apostrophe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually went and had a look at getting it redone when we were in Cairns a couple of years ago. And he's like, oh, I might just go and see. We've got a spare day if I can get a 
the apostrophe and the E on yeah. there, but it was so well done. It was so wrongly well, well done, done yeah. that you couldn't fit it in and he's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. So he uh, – Yeah, so he had – for- Yeah, and he said, I want to take you out for dinner. And previous sort of dates I'd been on, they're like, you know, the guys has always said, you know, you choose where you want to go, tell me when. Whereas Ben said, meet me here at this time, I'll sort it all out. No. Oh, yes. that's a dream. I know, I know, that's right. So we went to deck chair for a drink first. Yeah. And then we went to Teppanyaki when the sushi place deck still exists. Deck chair for exists. a drink. Was well, pretty down. Sorry, there. not deck chair, not deck chair. The deck bar. Deck oh, bar. Right, I was right, going right. to say, yeah, yeah. that's a cinema. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was like, weird place to go for a drink, but it is beautiful. <laughs> right, a deck no, bar, deck bar for a drink, and then we went to yeah, Teppanyaki. Do you remember the sushi place that used yep. to exist? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, that's a good date. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Well played. Yeah, yeah. And Teppanyaki, as he he obviously had thought it through because he's like, if it's not going so well, at least you can be distracted by like the food throwing. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of entertainment in yeah, front of yeah, you that's in right. case the yeah. conversation turns a bit stale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no. And then yeah, the rest is history. So many pilots come here for their training mm. and to get their flying hours up. Yeah, yeah. Had there been a plan for, I mean, either of you at one point mm. to, to leave? Well, you know, I was one of those people that intended to come up for 12 months and then just things happen. You settle in after 12 months and you realise how good it is. And Definitely. You never yeah. leave. Um, ben, not so much. So he was working for a charter company and then um, decided to, with a friend of his, open their own flying school. Um, So, yeah, he started his business back in 2015 Mm -hmm. Um, and like um, lots of things in Darwin, the opportunity sort of just grew and grew and it's just sort of gone really well and expanded. So he's still doing that today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So his business is now expanded to um, like Darwin is their main base but they've got a base in Brisbane, Melbourne and Perth. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, Incredible. yeah, we're, we're here. Darwin we're invested. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, absolutely. It's kind of a bad thing just reflecting back on that question that, you know, so many people we ask, oh, had you planned to leave? Like yeah, that's yeah, just always yeah. in the back of people's heads. But how beautiful than- that people go, yeah, I did intend to leave, but I fell in love with this place mm, yeah. and I have not ever thought about leaving ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, like true. the charm of the territory yeah. is so real. Yeah. Well, I feel like it gets to this time, build-up time every year oh, yeah, and you I do know. think about leaving. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? I had to put makeup on yesterday and I literally had to shut my bathroom to open my bedroom door to let the air come oh, in because yeah. my face was sweating so much that I was just literally rubbing foundation onto sweat yeah. and I was like, I don't know why I'm bothering. Yeah. Oh God. When I blow out my hair, I'm just like sweating <laughs> bricks oh, every yeah. morning. Yeah. Seriously. At least yeah. in my work I don't have to wear makeup or do my hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bonus, definitely. Yeah. Your skin's yeah. always nice at this time of year though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> so the rest is history. So you've gone out for dinner. Mm. The rest is history. Yeah. And you've now got three beautiful kids. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about your kids. Ah, oh, they're good kids. We're very lucky. The um, Aiden, he's your typical boy. He is loves anything to do with sport, running yeah. around, will climb trees. Um, he, you know, he's a, he's a good boy. And you didn't know, like, you refused oh. to. <laughs> I was in complete it's, denial. Yeah, why? <laughs> um, was he a surprise or were you yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah. So he was a 
complete surprise. I it's quite a long story, but we've got time. Yeah, um, <laughs> so Ben and I were, um, you know, we were at the stage where we we're talking about, you know, in the future we'd like to have kids and that sort of stuff. Um, and that's very much. Are you like, like the future now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making sure we're on the same page, yeah. but like not right now, but like sometime yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, and I've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I'd been on the pill since I was like fifteen, and. I'd had friends who had had issues getting pregnant and I had sort of prepared myself for having difficulties falling pregnant. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get myself off the pill just to see if my body can be normal. Mm. Um, and also Ben has, um, again, a long, well, not long-ish story, but um, a few years before I met him, he had a plane crash and was a paraplegic for a few months. What? Yeah. Gosh. And um, so... And post-spinal injury, you can have some issues with fertility. Yeah. And so we weren't sure about him and I, with my issues, we're like, is, we're going to have challenges. So wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So he was in a wheel, like he was in a wheelchair. Was, was it like you never walk months. again and then had to t- teach himself how to walk again? Yeah. So he, oh, they always thought that he would be able to regain function and things because he didn't have a complete sort of severed spinal cord or anything oh, okay. like that. So he just had... Um, he had a a fractured spine, but yeah, his spinal cord was intact. Wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Far out! Yeah, God, you luckily, didn't put that in your Q and A, Sarah. Luckily, that happened before I met him. But talking to his family about it, it's still pretty um. Yeah, oh, I imagine it would yeah, be definitely. Yeah. So both of us with, I guess, uh, what we thought was sort of suboptimal fertility, um, and then I came off the pill to try and get my body into a good position. Um, and then I just never got my period. I'm like, oh, this is really depressing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm never going to be able to have kids, you know, your mind's just going crazy. And yeah. then one day I'm like, I'll just do a pregnancy test for the sake of it. And then just like instantly positive. And I'm like, oh, girl, you pregnant. Well, then I'm like, that's weird. And then Ben still recalls this um, so vividly. There was He came home from work late one day and I was already in bed. And I'm like, oh, are you having a shower? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, can you just be quick so I want to talk to you about something? And then he went and had a shower. He's like, I knew exactly what you were going to say for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, I did a pregnancy test. It says it was positive. I don't believe it. So I, don't, I guess I'll go and see someone to like But what, how do you in the medical profession, knowing how a pregnancy test would work, yeah. having like even though you're an emergency doctor, probably having a fairly decent understanding of pregnancy, why do you think you were so in denial? Because of obviously oh, yeah, like I had convinced yeah. yourself. Yeah, I had convinced myself that it was going to take a few years like and yeah so how long had it been since you'd gone off the pill do you think oh less than a month (laughs) oh wow yeah right (laughs) oh no probably more just over a month yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you didn't get your period (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah and then since then i've learned which i didn't know at the time as soon as you come off the pill that's when you're really fertile so just be warned anyone who's explains it yeah Yeah. So, yeah. That explains Artie then. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you feel comfortable, yeah, can you yeah. tell us about what you've got, your polycystic? Yeah. So, when I was, oh, yeah, I guess early sort of teenage years, I was dancing like seven days a week, really, like, and 
so expending a lot of energy and I just kept putting on heaps and heaps of weight. Um, and then my mum just sort of sensed that something wasn't right. And then my periods started to go a bit off and stuff. And mum, mum is your like Dr. Google to the max. She, she doesn't oh, trust no. my medical knowledge, but she'll trust Dr. <laughs> Google. Um, she, she had seen something about polycystic ovarian syndrome and just went, oh, my God, that's what Sarah's got because I sort of just ticked every box. Um, and so she took me to the GP and I had all the testing and, yeah, sure enough. Right. So yeah. what does – what happens? What? Um, so I put on heaps of weight. I got <laughs> – my friends still pay me out about it. It's pretty harsh. But I, like, basically grew all facial hair, had quite quite the beard as some of my friends might describe. Great friends. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> um and, yeah, um, my periods just went all over the place. I went from having super regular periods just to all over the place. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just this sort of weird hormonal imbalance sort of thing. Um, so it's not so much like cysts on your ovaries? Yeah, or I had heaps, yeah. yeah. So okay. when I had an ultrasound, my both my ovaries were, had, were just covered in cysts. Right. Oh, my yeah. God. And so that just obviously impacts their working ability. Yeah. And yep. so then um, do you have them removed or some people, you, it obviously sometimes no. it does impact yeah. fertility, but so you sometimes, were okay? Yeah, so sometimes it does um, and some people do need to go on to have like laparoscopic surgery and to remove some of the cysts and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I was just really lucky. And so that's why I started the pill from such a young age to try and sort of um, get on top of the hormonal imbalance that I mm-hmm. had. Um yeah, but I was – and because I saw an endocrinologist really early on as a teenager and he said at the time, he's like, oh, I don't think you'll have an issue. But, of course, I didn't really believe it. Um, but, yeah, so for me I feel lucky that it was all very straightforward. And so the pill was the only sort of medication that you needed to go on to? Yeah, yeah. So for me that was and I went on to um, – quite a not strict but I went on to like a low GI diet and um really started to have to watch what I was eating um and um well I was already exercising so much but yeah I guess just trying to eat much more healthily and um a a lot of people have to go on to metformin as part of their polycystic ovarian syndrome but I didn't have to at that stage and it didn't impact the pregnancies or no and even falling pregnant with your other two either no no and in a way I don't know whether falling pregnant with Aiden sort of helped calm it down a little okay. bit or like normalize things a bit more because yep. falling pregnant with Ella it was on first try little one shot wonders that's hey it, that's it <laughs> but your husband's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, oh, no, he's disappointed that we don't have longer to like you know try oh. <laughs> <laughs> so true <laughs> He's like a few months of oh, practice would have like been good. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's like any husband, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes me laugh so much. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think yeah. like yeah, after we became pregnant, after I told Steve I was pregnant, he's like already. Oh. Yeah. No. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, no. And as women, like, you know, seeing- you go off the pill, you're like, oh, this will just take a while. Like yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of. Selling it to them, yeah. and like, Husband's oh, like, limber. Totally gave me a dumb steer there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no. shit! Then they don't get a leg over for bloody ten months. <laughs> <laughs> a leg over, <laughs> lovely. Oh, that's very funny. Holy shit! Yeah. And, <laughs> <you're> <laughs> and so you said that you believed you had a. 
BHCG secreting tumor. Yeah, yeah. that seems so, like a pretty extreme. I know, like seven I pregnancy know. tests. It's a tumor. <laughs> I know. So yeah, every I just kept buying pregnancy tests and keeping on doing them. I'm like, Ben, it's still positive. Yep, it's still positive. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, I think he was very accepting of it, but I was like, still positive. Um, and then, yeah, because there is some like cancers and tumours in your body that secrete the same hormone as pregnancy, so you right. can turn the pregnancy test positive. So rather than just being pregnant, I thought maybe I've got one of these weird tumours. <laughs> <laughs> and so did you go, did you just go to a GP and like, yeah. I think I've got a tumor, but, but also these seven pregnancy tests that no. are also positive. My my GP, who's awesome, who I've had my entire time in Darwin, she I went to her. I'm like, I've done like all these pregnancy tests. They they're all positive, and she looks at me and she's like, I think you're pregnant. <laughs> I think we can take that as gospel. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think I might be. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All oh, right, funny. and so then just pregnancies, no problems. Oh no, well, pregnancies, no problems. Yeah, falling pregnant, no problems. And I was lucky with my actual pregnancies; they were pretty good. Aiden was um, ended up being. I ended up having to be induced at 37 weeks for Aiden because he was sort of not growing that well towards the end. Um, so he was born really little, but he's caught up since, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, they always do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, yeah, the other two I had elective Caesars, so that was fine. Good yeah. So why elective Caesars? Oh, so, yeah, with Aiden, he – Ended up being – so I was induced and then I ended up – he needed to be vacuumed out oh, and yeah. then I had a big tear and then I also broke my tailbone during Yeah, I'd oh. probably get elective seasons yeah. after yeah. that too. Yeah, right. So I – and, yeah, I needed blood transfusions and things. But I – yeah, I went to see my obstetrician here when I was pregnant with Ella and I'm like, I might try, you know – a natural birth again. She's like, no, I think you should have a Caesar. <laughs> and then I got to like 38 weeks and I'm like, yeah, I think I should just have a Caesar. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really, I think we need to have this conversation more about, um, you know, a vaginal birth isn't always the best um, choice for some people. Oh, and, know. you know, my auntie is a midwife. And when I was pregnant with Oscar after Artie's birth, she said, have you considered, um, an elective cesarean because she's like, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself, Molly, to have this oh, natural no. birth that yeah. you are, you know, it's okay to do that. And mm. lots of women, like even Suz Susanna two weeks mm. ago um, said the best thing she ever did and the most empowering birth she had were elective cesareans. Oh, yeah. My elective caesars were amazing. Yeah. Were. And my recovery from my elective caesars were oh, a million times quicker. Yeah. So after yeah. Aiden, because I broke my tailbone, I couldn't sit down properly for Two years. And that's all you need oh. to do. Two years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in, yeah, I know, like, if, I don't know, you've obviously never broken your tail. No, bone, I have not. But it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those bones in your body that it's constantly moving. So it can't, doesn't heal. Like, it takes a really long time to heal. So, sit, still Especially sitting if on. you're putting pressure on yeah, it all so the time. Yeah, so sitting on any hard surface for any prolonged period of time, I still, like, feel it. And that's all it. you have, that's all you can do when you have a newborn. Yeah, I know. Sit down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my no, gosh. It was brutal. It was really it was. Wait, really how tough. did you break it during the birth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, did he just It's a no. It's a no complication of labour, apparently. It's just how they come out, come out the birth canal. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Shit, women have to yeah. go. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's freedom. Yeah, far out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so is three always on the car? Yeah. So Ben's one of five. Okay. I'm one of three. Yep. Um, and we like three. Yeah. It was funny. The um after Georgia, I um my obstetrician, we had Georgia the Georgia being your youngest. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Georgia's the baby. Um well, sorry, before Georgia, my obstetrician talked to me about getting a tubal ligation during the Caesar. What's that? Um, where, like, basically getting your two tubes tied, I guess. Oh, is like yeah, the, like a contraceptive, like yeah, getting the like snip permanent, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so I was all for it. Um, and then she's like, yep, yeah, if if we do it, you have to be 100% sure. I'm like, well, I'm 99.9% sure, but I'll check with Ben. And I asked Ben, and I'm like, you know, you – this is going to happen. He's like, oh, it's so permanent. It is. So for Ben, it was more mm. of an issue. For me, I'm like, yep, I'm done. That's it. Yep. But for him, it was like, oh, it means, yeah, that's it. No more kids. <laughs> it's, it's a. I think um, the decision for both partners on a third or like a second, a third or whatever your last is, and if you're not on the same page, mm. it is a huge decision oh, for yeah. someone to have to come to. And, yeah. you know, if, if, um, someone wants a fourth or a fifth and you only, mm. you know, it great you should be allowed to grieve that decision. Yeah. yeah. I think it is a process of grief to decide, mm. okay, my partner is done but I'm not but one of us has to yeah. fold yeah. on our decision and that the grief of not having that third, fourth, fifth, second yeah. baby yeah. is – is hard. Yeah. And was that? Do you think that's what he was sort of? Um, he was he was accepting of it in the in the end. Um, and we had only ever talked about having three kids. Yeah. And you know we talked through the practicalities of it all. If we if we were to have a fourth, we'd be a lot older. We don't really want to be that old having yeah. little kids and that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, he was fine with it. But just the finality of it all, I think, yeah. was hard for him. But why was it a conversation? Was it just because? Because of your um, polycystic ovaries or? Oh, like from the obstetricians, yeah. I think. No, that's just routine. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I, didn't I think that. I had flagged it with her maybe with the, um, with it when I was just after I had Ella. I right. Thought, yeah, okay. I want three. It's just sort of part of family planning discussions, I guess. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And they seem to have the similar kind of age gap. Yeah. Three, yeah. Three, four and a so, half years. As a doctor with a family, it's always tricky trying to work out having kids around exams and training and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. shift work? Ah, uh, shift work. Uh, it's what, I don't know any different. Shift yeah. work has been my life forever, so yep. it's always been a thing. But, yeah, having time, like taking time out of training is a big deal. Um so try you have so much to catch up on or well it depends because there's certain terms that count towards training and you've got to get a certain amount of um say because as part of emergency training you also have to do intensive care and anesthetics as right. part of that so yep. you need to um have three or six months terms of them as part of your emergency training mm-hmm. and so you need to make sure you do have got them done and then um you know if you interrupt your training in the middle of the term that term might not count towards your training wow Um, so it it gets complicated yeah absolutely Um, yeah and it can be really tricky and especially as a female 
it can be a bit disadvantageous having kids in as in terms of your training because you might end up doing a chunk of time that doesn't even count towards training. Yeah, wow. Um, but so, uh, yeah, with Ella and Georgia, we were quite, um, yeah, it was quite planned in terms of timing. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, that's such a difficult thing for women, right? Mm. Like something's got to give. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You kind of have to make those sacrifices, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everest Base Camp <laughs> yeah. is where I would like to go. So yeah, you've yeah, yeah. done a lot of travelling. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Is Everest Base Camp like your biggest achievement? Um, to be honest, it's not my hardest trick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> okay. No, no, Base Camp. Like, like flat out walking up a set of stairs at the moment. <laughs> base Camp's tough, but it's, yeah, it's not my toughest trick. I think the toughest one I did was um, – a trek called Mount Cotopaxi, which is in Ecuador. Um, it's higher than base camp and it's up a volcano basically, but it also includes some like technical climbing with like crampons and ice picks, like over some Far like glacial stuff. Gosh. Uh, yeah. Um, and it was one of those climbs where you stay, like you go to sleep at night in a spot and then have to trek to the summit like in the middle of the night type thing. Yeah. So that one was way harder than base camp. Base camp is just like walking during the day and things. And so how did you get into this sport? (laughs) This sport? (laughs) (laughs) I I had um, one of my best friends from high school and um, her name is also Sarah. Um, Her and I travelled together for – oh, actually, no, I started travelling with my friend Min who I went to med school with um, in our first year of med did a bit of a round-the-world sort of trip. You know, back in the day where you could buy a round-the-world ticket and mm-hmm. stop at lots of places? And so my first trek, I, we did the Inca Trail on that trip, which was really fun. And then my friend Sarah, um, who I went to high school with, her and I then every year would sort of go on um, big trips. We'd plan a trip somewhere every year um and yeah we um oh actually she didn't do base camp with me but we started doing lots of different treks and stuff around the world um base camp I think was just on the bucket list at yeah. some point but it's trekking is one of those things that you just so sort of in nature it's just so good for your mental health and it's one of those real sort of achievement type activities that once you do it you just sort of want to do more yeah Mm. right I can't say I've ever been drawn to doing a trick. Oh. Well, that's what people are like. I mean, I mean people each to say their the same own. thing about marathons and stuff. No, yeah. I just want to do another one. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even want to do, do one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could see the, the, by the end of it, after you've slogged your guts out mm. in some parts of the yeah. trick, I'd imagine you're sort of like, fuck yeah, I did that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And being in such probably pretty remote areas of the world that so many people wouldn't see. It's kind of off the beaten track. Yeah, absolutely. And that was always my style of travel. And me and Sarah on a lot of our trips, our travel style was just fly somewhere and just – work it out when you get there. Oh, that gives you so much have. anxiety. I can't know <laughs> that. I've got everything planned visibly go, down oh. to the <laughs> When Steve and I organised, well, when I organised our three-month honeymoon, I had it all you planned You had a three-month honeymoon? Yeah. Thank Where did you, you go? Um, we went to Paris, Italy for a month, Greece, um, Japan. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Prague. I had three days. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty lucky. Thank God for yeah. long service leave, really. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I had everything planned and he's like, why don't we just like fly somewhere and then we'll figure out when nope. we get there. And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> no. There was we um there was one trek that we did, which we did part of the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which is trekking from like the French Pyrenees across Spain. Oh we God, only did a hundred Ks of it. Not just a hundred. Just a hundred. Only a hundred. But we thought, I don't know, the time of the year we did it was probably, our planning was terrible, but we assumed that there'd be other trekkers doing it at the same time but there were some days where we just didn't see a single other person walking oh my gosh. there was one day where we were walking in the spanish countryside or whatever um and we were walking through these like i guess you'd call them woods this area of lots of trees and then we just started hearing all these gunshots around us <laughs> I know, and we're just thinking we could see like the headlines now of like, you know, two Aussie girls shot in the middle of the woods in Spain. <laughs> anyway. What was it? I must have just been someone hunting or something. I don't know. But You never just, saw them? Never you saw just them. heard it? Just heard these gunshots. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But wow. No, there's some good stories from our tricks. That's cool. <laughs> and so have you done the ones in like Central Australia, like Lara Pinta? I did Lara Pinta. Kind of yeah, I did Lara Pinta when Jupiter? I was – I was 17 weeks pregnant with Aiden when I did Lara Pinta. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, because I'd booked it before I realised I was pregnant. Mm. <laughs> um, but it was great. I actually felt really good because, you know, happy second trimester. I was just going to say, you, you like yeah. hit that 13-week mark and you're like, I could run a marathon. And then you're like, yeah. wow, this is the best. And I felt great because I was exercising, I was drinking heaps of water and I was eating constantly. So I felt really good. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and have that. you done yeah, yeah. Jatbilla? No, I've done portions of it, but I haven't actually done the whole thing. I feel like every year it just sells out so quickly. Yeah, it does. Like in <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes or something, it yeah. sells out in what years. Yep. I've done sort of both ends of it in different ways, but I haven't done the full thing. Yeah, yeah right. So have you got another one planned coming up? Oh, not yet. No. The post kids has been, I haven't done any good trekking post kids. I did one. <laughs> the. After, and I don't think I was pregnant yet, I just met Ben and I, me and some friends booked a trip to Patagonia because um, we wanted to do a trek in Patagonia and Ben will... Wait, where's Patagonia? So it's in Chile and Argentina. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was like, is it a brand? Like, oh. It is a brand, yeah. It oh, right. It's so a, it's also a place. Oh, it's a you know my planet. geography is strong. <laughs> the geography runs strong in this one. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben... Con not constantly, but will frequently remind me about the time that I booked a trip to Patagonia and didn't invite him at all. <laughs> <laughs> I still maintain that I did invite him, but, you know, so me and uh, I think there was five of us all together that went to Patagonia. That was fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think as the, when the kids get a bit older, I'd probably go and do some more. But at the moment, they're just too little and... Yeah, you can't really yeah. drag a seven-year-old and a nine-and-a-half-month-old along. Well, we've done a couple of little things. Everest Base Camp. No, not Everest Base Camp. Like, we've done little walks. They're pretty good at walking. We've done some, um, you know, bush walks up. We did, um, when we were in Tassie once, we walked up to the lookout for Wine Glass Bay and things yeah. like that. Aiden, Aiden's a good walker. He just walked up the top. Ella was still little, so she was on Ben's back. Um, so we do little things, but yeah. Yeah, nothing major. Do you think that they will find the same love of your sort of holidays or will you just sort of let them find their own way? Oh, no, I think they will because even even now Ella is – she's a funny one. She's my quite anxious 
one, but she always talks about, can we go on a holiday? Can we go here? Can we? She, she loves travel and she's really happy when we're traveling. Yeah. Um, so I think for her, um, she'll enjoy it. Uh, and they do like being active and walking and stuff. Do you think that's part of the territory lifestyle? Do you think if you lived elsewhere that you might not have such outdoorsy kids? Um, I think just by our nature they would be outdoorsy. Mm. Like I think about my – my older sister down south and her kids, they're, they're, her kids are always outside as well. Yeah, yeah, just with a few more layers. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> talk about layers a lot. Hate yeah, layers. Yeah, 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 hate layers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Oh, the, um, I was, when I was thinking about what I was going to talk to you guys about, I thought of a couple of very classic territory kid stories. Oh, please, yes, that, bring them on. If they involve naked kids and pooing everywhere, I've got another one. <laughs> It's <laughs> like your daily life. <laughs> oh, but um, one was we were in Brisbane and, we, you know, we got in late on a flight and we were in this, I think it was an airport hotel and I had um, – Georgia wasn't born yet uh, and Aiden and Ella, I chucked them in the shower and I'm like, Aiden, all right, get out of the shower, go and stand on the carpet. And he's like, what's carpet? <laughs> true yeah he didn't know what carpet was and I just could not believe it I was I guess it would never occur to you until (laughs) but it was carpet school and stuff but I saw you well yeah it was preschool time okay yeah 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 Yeah, they definitely don't have carpet at preschool (laughs) (laughs) no one has time to clean up carpet after toddlers that's very funny and then the most recent one was I think we're in Melbourne or Sydney or something and I'm sure this is quite a common territory kid comment like why are all the cars stopped like this is called traffic <laughs> but why why are they just stopped like driving like what is this peak hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's so, so good, good. Yeah. yeah territory kids i love it yeah i won't tell my poo story i'll save that because people just must think i live in a sewer <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> just gonna leave it out. <laughs> Can I go back to Care Flight? Mm. Was that some, how did you get into that? Um, so, as part of emergency training, you can do um, retrieval as part of your sort of to make up part of your training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always really interested. Um, back in the day when I was working in, oh, going way back, I actually did 12 months of my medical school training. I lived in Broken Hill and worked out there. Um, and so I saw a bit of um, retrieval type stuff with the RFDS down there. And so I always had a bit of an interest in it. And then, yeah, coming up here, I was really keen to do the care flight retrieval job. Um, so, yeah, I got it for six months and then I guess confirmed my love of retrieval. Yeah. Is it similar to emergency in the sense of the, in many circumstances, yep. the urgency of it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, with CareFlight, it's basically what we describe as an ICU in the sky. Mm-hmm. So everything we do in ED, we can do either on the ground or in the plane. We have the same, pretty much all the same equipment, same drugs, everything. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and the stuff that we go to, yeah, is the stuff that we would see most Pretty days. hectic. Do you feel... Mostly. Yeah. Do you feel like as a doctor in the air, you have to be really sure of the decision you make because you don't have colleagues? To, yeah. I mean, I know you can jump on a radio or whatever, but uh. if, like, do you feel like you have to be certain in your decision of whatever it may happen? Yeah. Because you can't be like, 
I need two nurses and two yeah. more doctors to help me. Yeah. So, yeah, we often say, you know, when you say jump on the radio and talk to someone, comms in the NT, even with radios, phones, is sometimes absolutely impossible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as you try. Even sat phones, there's lots of areas where sat phones won't even work. So wow. um, you can be... So if you have to go out to like a cattle station for an incident or something and you – that is insane to think that you don't have any communication. anywhere remote. That's like a cattle station would still, I'd imagine, have some kind of connectability but like it's absolute nowhere, outstations and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it can be a real challenge or, you know, yeah, things that – yeah, anyway, in the middle of nowhere. But, um, yeah, doing my six-month job there as a retrieval registrar, I found quite – helpful for my career progression because I had only worked in the hospital and only been surrounded by all these lots of different colleagues and being well supported and so it was really good at helping me be a lot more concrete with my decision making and be just be more confident with my decision making and so you don't question yourself as much so yeah really helpful to um, give me a bit more confidence in my decision making um, and make me realize that I can do the job. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed my time and obviously did because I stayed on for, for five years. Yeah. yeah. Do you see your um, career being just as much hospital as in the sky or do you, now that you've sort of jumped up in seniority or mm-hmm. in the job in care flight, is that your calling now? I think it's important to still do both. We, in emergency, just because of the sheer number of people coming through, you can maintain your skill set really well. Whereas if I was only doing care flight, I wouldn't have that exposure to the numbers that I have in emergency. Mm-hmm. So in terms of maintaining my skills, it would be it's important to be able to do both. And I would always be doing both. Yeah. yeah. How do you manage the stress and the intensity of your job, which does as much as we mentioned obviously the the rewarding nature of mm, it yeah there's obviously the really terrible side of it that yeah. you have no control over yeah I'm very lucky because I have a great group of colleagues friends um that it's all about sort of being able to debrief at the end of a really hard day or um bounce ideas off each other um I think that's probably the key by my nature I, I, well, that's why I'm an emergency doctor. I work well under pressure. Okay. That's how I've always been. That's, mm. that's just what I'm like. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of really hard things that we see. I can only imagine. Yeah. And one real turning point, well, obviously it's a big turning point in everyone's life, but after becoming a mum, going back to work after becoming a mum, I realized how different I was. Um, particularly seeing really traumatic things happening to kids I in could particular. Not. Yeah. I could not do it. Yeah, yeah that would I would struggle with that. It's re- it's really hard, but I, I struggle with that learned- now with the news like yeah. in particular seeing a lot of the stuff out mm. of um Israel and and oh, it's horrible war mm. and you see the kids in paramedics arms and yeah. that kind of stuff. I I struggled to look at that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you just have to become quite detached in a way Mm. you've got to sort of be focused on the job in front of you and just get it done and then sort of deal with the mental aspect of it later but you just have to do the job while you're there do you ever have a doctor come through who struggles to detach themselves from it and what would you say 
maybe you should go and look at I don't know, not emergency or a different yeah. area of medicine. Yeah, definitely. You over the years there has been for sure, and emergency medicine attracts a certain type of person because yeah. you have to be super resilient, and you um, and it does take a real toll on you physically and mentally. So you do have to be quite tough, um, and some it's just not suited to some people. Mm. Um, and yeah, you do have to have that conversation with some people and then when you became a mum Mm. um did it take you a while to go back into that mindset and to figure out how you deal with it now that you have changed yeah yeah it's so going back after Aiden I only took because he was an accidental pregnancy um surprise pregnancy um I had taken I'd actually taken a year off to go um, locum, which is sort of like casual doctoring um, and travelling the world. That was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just laugh that yeah, off. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, and so I didn't get maternity leave because I'd taken a year off. Oh, no. So I had to go back. Aiden would have been about maybe four or five months old, I think, and when I went back to work. Um and going back was, yeah, I was really sort of slow. My mind wasn't quite as sharp as it was. And, yeah, it took me a, a fair bit to get back into the swing of things. But after having Ella and Georgia, it's gotten easier and easier, which is yeah, <laughs> which right. is good. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think I've just learned how to function more efficiently as a mum. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Was it the, the aftermath of like the hormones or the lack of sleep, mm. is that what was difficult? Yeah, or? I think so. The one thing that's really positive about being a shift-working mum is being a shift-worker really prepares you for the sleep deprivation mm. of motherhood. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been used to being, you know, needing to be awake at 3 or 4 a.m., it can be really hard. But for me, being awake at that time is just sort of normal. So that was sort of easier. Yep, yep. <laughs> um but I think, think it was all of that. I think it was um, like I was still breastfeeding, the pumping at work, doing all of that. It's just tough. That's a lot. Yeah. And then the mental load of not just a mum but the mental load of an emergency department. Yeah. Especially yeah. Darwin's emergency department. <laughs> mm. Gosh. I feel like back then it wasn't quite as busy as it is now. So yeah. it I wonder why that Oh, Why do you think it's so gotten busier? Busy. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Oh. It's very it's so multifactorial and complex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's the busiest it's ever been. It's insane. Wow. But um, yeah, lots lots of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. And did you find that you know one of the big things? that we talk about and I know my personally when I became a mum the whole the sicknesses the ailments what's wrong with this baby did you still have those or because your medical background you're like it's okay you'll be right I'm a very blase parent so (laughs) I'm one of those sort of doctor mums that my kid will have a broken arm for like six weeks and I'll just ignore it sort of <laughs> thing. Like Unless Louise. it's yeah. in another direction. It's yeah. like, you're fine, yeah, rub it yeah. off. It's like Louise's episode where she's like, yeah, if I just need to stitch up a kid, I'll just disinfect it on the kitchen bench top and stitch him up at home. Yeah, well, I've glued <laughs> at least four kids' heads on my kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my kids, they, they've gotten, you know, over the years had – you know, the usual daycare viruses and all that sort of thing. Luckily, none of them have been too sick that, or nothing too serious that I've needed to do anything 
more serious. Yeah. But yeah, I'm of the belief, and th- this is my doctoring style as well, is that most things will sort themselves out with time. <laughs> Rub <laughs> some dirt leave- in it, you'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> if you leave stuff for long enough, it'll either sort of, you know, get worse and you have to sort it out or it'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me not to see you when I come in with a broken arm. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) I'll fix that. (laughs) No, it's true. My conjunctivitis, I conjunctivitis two weeks ago. It was so disgusting. It was like Mm. literally dribbling down my – it was so gross. Yeah. And it just sorted itself out. Yep, it does. Your body's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what would be your best parenting pearls for people? Again, I'm a very – Blase parent, but I think trying to remember that just everything is a phase, yeah, and there's no point trying to analyze everything your kid does because it's chances are next week it'll be completely different. Mm -hmm. So don't stress the small stuff and just, yeah. Lately, I have to remind myself to pick my battles when it comes to my kids, not sort of react to everything they say and do and just you know is that because they're coming into a particular age yeah 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 so i've getting closer i've been warned (laughs) well i've been warned that the seven-year-old boy thing is quite full-on okay because at that age apparently they have quite high levels of testosterone oh fun yeah yeah be warned (laughs) i was born because he was a beautiful six-year-old and then he started to make this change and my friend had warned me they're like just be careful, the seven-year-old. <laughs> so we're going through It's that. just a face. Yeah, it's just, it, is, it is, it is. And I know that and I've just got to get through it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's challenging, definitely. <laughs> I also understand two and a half for boys is yeah. a really hard mm. little phase that they go through at two and a half and yeah. creeping closer and closer <laughs> to that age with Artie. Yeah, yeah. But it passes. It, it always all, does. It always passes. But. What did you find most difficult when you became a parent? Oh, I don't know. I feel lucky that for me being a mum felt pretty natural to me, which mm-hmm. was good. I know it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, but for me it was all pretty mm. – it felt pretty normal. Probably the difficult thing and still to this day is the not being able to do – and. This is because I put pressure on myself to achieve stuff, but not getting to do what you want to do in terms of I want to achieve all this, mm-hmm. and then you get to the end of the day and you've achieved none of what you've, <laughs> what you've set out totally. to do. Totally. Um, so I find that hard. Um, but overall, like, yeah, I I can't complain. I've got three kids that are really good I call Georgia the easiest baby in the world because she's seriously the easiest baby in the world um so do you think she's easier or do you think you're a baby number three and you're just like whatever mate you'll be right I think a bit of both yeah yeah by her nature she's just a happy kid just constantly smiling um we when she was 11 weeks old we did a trip to Borneo the uh which is very random, but um, I've been there. We did that when I was growing up. Yeah, growing up here, it was close, cheap, Asia. Yeah, well, we ended up. It was with Ben's entire family, so there was like twenty five of us or something huge. But why the, Borneo? Uh, Ben's like dad, it's a beautiful place, but yeah. 
So Ben's dad. You know, like Fiji have kids clubs and stuff. (laughs) Ben's dad went to school with someone who, um, a man who lives over there, like he's from there. So he wanted to take our whole family over to see them. But it was great. Um, But during the Borneo trip, Georgia, the family didn't hear Georgia cry once. Great. Just because she didn't need to. Like, you know, she was getting fed. She was stimulated and she slept when she needed to and she's just yeah, like that's sweet spot hey that's it yeah just leave them and they stay where they yep. yeah she was just happy and content but no she's yeah she's amazing that's- i'm sure i'll pay the price or something when she's older and i don't know turns into devil child or something but <laughs> you just remember <laughs> the these moment. moments that's right yeah. yeah for the moment she's great yeah the oh. amount of people that are like oh sally she's just so cute she's so beautiful and i'm like yeah she's hiding the demon inside yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, i feel very lucky um yeah, our parenting journey has been relatively straightforward thus far. <laughs> straightforward <laughs> thus far. So what's the future for Sarah? I don't know, really. I'm happy and content for the moment with what I'm doing. I've got great work life. Um, the It's always the balance, getting the balance right, mm. which is sometimes hard. Ben and I have these discussions pretty much once a month about how we're both working too much and we want to see each other more and say spend time together. But we both by our nature will always be the sort of people that will just work because yeah. we're we just like to work. Um but I would like to get that balance nice and that I can, you know, go to the kids' school staff mm-hmm. and do all that. Carrying on Darwin, getting the kids through school. I'd like to do a bit more travel in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel Sounds like I've like had Georgia very... and haven't sussed out my future yet. Yeah. Still, <laughs> you're still in the depths under months. one. That's yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like a beautifully content life that you have that I'm sure many people would be absolutely envious of. I think, um, you know, when you find that sweet spot in your life where you, everything is just good, right. yeah. you yeah. just yeah. can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no complaints. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. Well, we might leave it there on that note then. Thank you so much, Sarah. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It's been I wish great. we could have heard some of the gruelling care flight stories, but oh, we'll, ca- we'll get them off patient air. Patient confidentiality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's too small a place to be able to get into too much depth, which that's I think it. most people would <laughs> accept and understand. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. And for like, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. See ya.